Our theme to this, this morning focuses particularly on the whole area of peace, what it means to live at peace with one another and to share that peace with one another. And our first reading from Colossians uh, chapter 3, Paul is spelling that out to the people he's writing to. It's on page 1194, Colossians 3, beginning at verse 12. He's speaking to those who are disciples of Jesus in Colossae. He speaks to us today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading is from John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Jesus is coming, the resurrected Jesus is coming, meeting his disciples. Hear the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Glory Glory be to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone... Their sins are forgiven, and if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Peace. Peace be with you. Shalom. Those are the words. That actual word was on the lips of Jesus. Not once, but twice. And we use it in our liturgy every time we celebrate communion and other times in our services. I want us to think this morning about what we are actually saying. What's the significance and meaning of what we're saying? And what did Jesus mean when he said it? And what was his significance then? Peace be with you. 
Peace be with you. Jesus comes to where the disciples are with that greeting. He comes through barriers. He breaks down blockades, the walls that separate and destroy. And the message of peace is one of breaking down, dismantling barriers, removal of barricades, the destruction of walls. The Berlin Wall falls and there's peace in east and west. But it's more than just that. The peace that Christ brings is a rebuilding of bridges, an endless rebuilding of bridges between people and between God in every kind of relationship. Reconciliation happens in the shape of a cross. The upward reconciliation between God and us and the outward reconciliation between one another. The shape of the cross, the up and the out, is the symbol of how peace comes. It is from God to everyone. It is nothing less than total transformation. And so Christ coming to these disciples on that first day of the week and the evening of that incredible day of resurrection and saying to these frightened men, peace be with you. He's coming reminding them that there is no barrier to peace when it is Jesus who offers it to them. It is his gift to them. They know it and they receive it. But they know it's not just for them, because Jesus' gift is to be carried to others, to the world. As the Father sent me, said Jesus in, those, in that same greeting, so I am sending you, I'm giving you peace, I'm assuring you of my forgiveness, that we are reconciled with one another, that you are reconciled with God, and this is the message for you to take out to the world in the same way that I came to bring it to the world. Go and be carriers, bearers of reconciling love, justice and peace. <coughs> the peace of Christ is indeed reconciliation painfully embraced. Peace is cross-shaped. It is reconciliation painfully embraced. Paul's words, God is reconciling in Christ the world through himself, through the cross. Peace to those who are near, that is the Jews, his own people, and peace to those who are far off. Everyone who has ever lived or ever will live is embraced by the cross and the peace that that shape brings. It's extraordinary, isn't it, when you think of the extent of God's peace. What might it mean for us? For us now and here? Well, we have to work that out in our own relationships, both with the people who have offended us and betrayed us and hurt us, of which we all have people like that. 
And we have to work it out in our relationships with God himself, who we might feel has betrayed us and let us down and not heard our prayers. We need to work that out in the cross shape too. Cost of unpeace, either with God and with others, is huge. That sense of unpeace, that unsettledness, that things aren't right. It's a massive thing. So where do we start? Well, if peace is expressed in the cross, we start with the cross itself and the significance of the cross and asking, why did Jesus die? Well, he died, as the hymn says, that we might be forgiven. So easy to sing or to say, but it's so hard to believe. Later in this passage in John, we hear how Thomas can't quite take it in that the Jesus he saw crucified was actually alive again and even more so that this Christ would come and say to these disciples who led him down peace be with you those were his first words how could that be I don't believe this unless I see those hands and feel those wounds he didn't is it not recorded as him saying this but I wonder whether he also might have said unless I hear him say to me peace be with you I can't believe that I'm forgiven. I can't believe that this Jesus would, after all that he's been through, be so unbelievably, unconditionally merciful. But wasn't it John the Apostle who earlier in this gospel had spoken of the God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that people would not perish but have everlasting life, that they might have reconciliation with God that goes through the gate of death into the life of glory. Hadn't he spoken about that Jesus who would be the one who would offer that to all people without exception? God so loved the whole world, the wickedness, the wicked people in the world, those who are denying Christ and reviling Christ. That offer of love and peace is always there. It's not embraced, but it is offered. Jesus bore the sin of all on the cross. He only has the power and authority to forgive the sins of everyone without exception. So the implication of this for us is the imperative, as it were, of offering peace and sharing peace with others and how we see each other. If we are learning to live a life that is being able to see how Christ sees other people, then we can see Richard as somebody who is forgiven by God. And therefore, who am I to hold anything against him? And who am I to hold anything against somebody else if God has forgiven me all my sin? And can it, how can that be? Jesus says to his disciples, be at peace. Go into that condition called peace, that is shalom, complete peaceness. And he stood among them as one who offered forgiveness through 
what he'd done on the cross, ending their fear, giving them a chance to start life again, seeing, helping them to see life differently and learning to treat people in a different way. And so it is that the Apostle Paul, having received forgiveness from Christ himself and entered into the peace that that brings, was able to say to his fellow Christians in Colossae, who obviously were not at peace with each other, there was unforgiveness in their church, as is the case in every church that I've ever come across. He says, you know, bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect harmony. He begins that section by saying, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He said, this is who you are. You're holy, you're dearly loved, you're forgiven, you're receivers of God's peace. This is your nature as, as God's people. Therefore, clothe yourselves with what God gives you. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the gifts that Christ is giving to you so that you might be those who bear that to others. And then he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, this is an interesting phrase. Let it rule in your hearts. The word rule in the Greek really means the same as what we would say about an umpire an umpire in a cricket match who would determine uh, the outcome of a, of a call. How's that? And the umpire has to rule, make a decision about whether that person is out or not, leg before wicket or caught behind, whatever. Therefore, when Paul talks about letting the peace of Christ rule in, in our hearts, it is to be the thing that governs uh, the way that we live, the decisions that we make, the outcome of our lives. It's the governing factor behind all that we live, or determining the way that we live. I don't know whether I'm making that clear very well, but it's something about making it something that governs, that uh, rules, is the, the regulation around the way we live. And so, because we all live under the same rules, because Christ loves us all equally, and all are forgiven sinners, who of us has the right to treat another person otherwise? And so when it comes in the service, in, in the communion service, it's right at the heart of the communion service, isn't it? That time when we stand together, and I say the words, the peace of the Lord, be always with you, and you will reply, and also with me. And then we share that peace. It's a mutual thing. It's wonderful that uh, other liturgical scholars have um, been able to think of other ways of expressing that. I came across one from the Australian church, and... Uh, the preface to sharing the peace in their liturgy says, God makes peace within us. Let us claim it. God makes peace between us. Let us share it. Let us offer one another a sign of peace. Huh? Same thing. See? 
peace between, within us. Let's claim it. Yes, thank you, Lord. I receive it. I believe it. Help thou my unbelief. Like Thomas. God makes peace between us. Let us share it. I like that. What about the one from my owner? You're not surprised I quote the one from my owner. The peace of God, I have to say in a Scottish accent, the peace of God is here to stay. He says, the peace of God is here, dot, 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 to stay. That's an interesting one, isn't it? The peace of God is here to stay. You might do terrible things, you might rebel against God, but the peace of God is here, always on offer, and you are invited to share the peace with your neighbours. So passing the peace or sharing the peace is really an an, an enactment of the reconciling love and forgiveness of God through Christ. We're literally touching one another, holding and shaking hands, and in humility and in forgiveness and in repentance, the peace is shared freely among his people. It's a highly significant thing. I know some people don't really like doing it. There's all sorts of reasons for that, and I can understand that. But the symbolism of it is powerful. It carries forward the Christ's words that he spoke to his frightened disciples and enables them to know a peace through forgiveness that would not otherwise be possible. Last week we were thinking about Polycarp. Do you remember how those of you who are here? He didn't even need to be tied to the stake. The Bishop of Smyrna, who was the first uh, uh, first Bishop of Smyrna, who was tied to the stake and burned at the stake, but he remained there in a place of huge peace, knowing that he was doing God's will. And he knew those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into my rest, shalom, peace. So maybe I can just conclude with one simple suggestion uh, as we go forward into today and remaining days of this week. Maybe you want to spend three minutes at some point in the day or in the night or on a walk or driving the car, whatever, just to repeat this word from Jesus, peace be with you, and to use it as uh, something that goes in the rhythm of your breathing, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you, and just allow Jesus to speak those words in your heart, this tombstone rolling, barricade busting God penetrates our fear and brings us his peace, a peace that the world cannot give and a peace that we pray others may know throughout their life, at their point of death and as they fall into the arms of God. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to be thinking on Sunday morning about Christ's letter to the church in Pergamum. It has its theme, that of truth, standing for truth. 
and we are going to affirm what the generations down the years have affirmed as truth about God revealed as Father, Son and Holy Spirit for which many have been put to death and persecuted. Let's say with faith together. We believe in one God. 